You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. A little bit later start to the day today. And, uh, Charlie, I've been in Birmingham. A lot of trees down in Mountain Brook this morning. Had a lot of wind come through. I think it probably affected a lot of people last night here in the state of Mississippi. And so I hope you're doing well with your property and your house and everything this morning. But I saw some trees on some houses, and, and it wasn't uh, real pretty over there this morning. Tell you what, really bad up in Tennessee around the Nashville area too. So, kind of a tough morning for a lot of people as they wake up today. Yep, um, I'm on my second cup of coffee this morning. My first came from the Love's Quick Stop just outside of Birmingham. My second came from our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew Coffee House bringing you our Sunday morning coffee. Got the blueberry flavored cobbler, a blueberry flavored blueberry cobbler, cobbler flavored, flavored that's, coffee. That's where I am right now, man. We uh, hey, I got to stop you one second. Okay, I am a truck stop guy. I enjoy a good loves or a flying J. Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm probably more loyal to loves than the flying J because there's not as many flying J's around. But hey, I am too. You know, at nobody does a good hot dog anymore. You know, used there's to there's no such thing as a good hot dog. Well, it used to be a good thing as a hot dog because when no. you got the hump dog, when you went to no, the no, hump, no, no, man. No. I declared the end of the hot dogs in my life in third grade. Somebody made a joke about what goes into a hot dog, and I was done. You I were done? one sense. Well, when I go to a sporting event, I want to eat a good hot dog. And when I'm stopped by Love's Quick Stop, sometimes I'll get me a good hot dog. And so I did not have a hot dog for breakfast this morning, even though I am a connoisseur of any kind of food for breakfast. I don't. It doesn't have to be breakfast food nonetheless my second cup of coffee is better than my first because the strange brew coffee is a lot better than the love's quick stop coffee i can tell you that strange brew coffee house three locations here in startville tupelo brupolo and then in tuscaloosa alabama churn and spoon ice cream here in startville spring street highway 12 and once again our good friends at strange brew bringing you sunday morning coffee here in the farm bureau studios in downtown Starville. Of course, hey, Christmas season is here. You better get those orders in late right now. Get them in in a hurry. Wait, get them in late or get them in early? Get them in early now. What was because, in your coffee, man? Because You're it like is struggling today. It is a struggle. The struggle is real. We had a uh, Christmas at Jen's family yesterday. And so late night last night, early morning this morning. So our Christmas holiday season has now expanded into the entire month of December. This is the only time on the schedule that we could find to put everybody together on the second weekend of December. Okay. It happens. It's it, what growing families do. It is. All right, Charlie. Here's the thing about yesterday, though. I was listening to the basketball game. I listened to Neil and to Coach Richard Williams yesterday. Didn't have a chance to watch the game. But the first half may be as good of an offensive half of basketball as I can recur, uh, recall us having in a long, long time. 
I find myself now like cheering against Josh Hubbard in the second half. Like once we get up like twenty or so, it's like get him out, get him out. <laughs> Don't let him run up any more numbers. <laughs> All I start thinking is, Who boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy, he is a special talent, isn't he? He really is. And yesterday what you saw in the first half is just the difference in making shots. I mean, we came out early in the game, and I think it was a big difference in how we played yesterday compared to, say, how we played against Southern. And I, I go back to the, my you know, long-standing statement, there is not a better analyst in college basketball than Richard Williams. Oh, he's perfect. I mean, he really is. And he was talking yesterday about – I felt like I was watching the game, listening to Neil, and then Coach was breaking it down – and they were talking about the differences in the Southern University game last Sunday that um, if you were there, if you watched it, it was just as frustrating in person and on TV as anybody could watch. It was bad. So I want to give you some numbers from yesterday that make me feel better. But I'm going back to the, what, the difference in last Sunday compared to yesterday. We came down a bunch in the first half yesterday and worked it inside out and moved the ball around. I think our first six shots we made, we had five assists. All right, so that's where I'm, I'm trying to amplify what you're saying here, Bart, because what you're wanting to say is we were more unselfish and we were quite selfish in our two losses. We went over and we played Georgia Tech. We have five assists. Yesterday, D.J. Jeffries alone eclipsed that. He had seven. Cam Matthews alone had more. He had six. Deshaun Davis alone had more than the entire team in the Georgia Tech game. He had six. In the ball game yesterday, we made 41 shots. 31 of those came with an assist. And so it goes back to this idea. Oh, we had 31 assists? We had 31 assists. How many turnovers? We had 13. 31 to 13 assists to turnovers. Yeah, and then some, you know, the other things that jump out at you. Keyshawn Murphy in 17 minutes of play gives you 10 rebounds. And what is the thing we think of with Keyshawn Murphy? It's kind of getting out there, jacking up threes. He was one of two. But he played around the goal yesterday and and did a lot better job. 13 of 28 from three-point range, you got to like that. But we uh, we played a better brand of basketball, much more unselfish yesterday. We made shots early. You know, the first possession of the game, Shaq knocks down a three. And then the second possession of the game, I think Deshaun Davis, Rams knocks down a three. And it was boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden you're up 10 to nothing. And it was, you know, we, we, we almost, you know, had some blood in the water. And we got after him a little bit. You know, Tulane was a team that led the nation in most free throw attempts and most free throw Attempts that have been made this year, they get to the free throw line. They got there a lot yesterday. They did four times. That's just who they are. So, cutting off dribble penetration has been a problem for us at times this year. But early in the game, we did a great job with that. Jimmy Bell was kind of a man among boys down in the low post. Sixty-two points in the first half. They were talking about that was the first time since. What ninety-five, ninety-six? We scored sixty-three points against some directional school. And so it's been a long time since we scored that many points and a half. All right, a few other things that jump out at you once you get into the analytics of the game. Highest efficiency rating yesterday was not Josh Hubbard. It was Cam Matthews 
Really? Cam Matthews had a really good game for us yesterday. So 14 points, five rebounds, six assists. The other thing is he drew seven fouls, which means he was fouled seven times that led the team in that. So I thought Cam Matthews, he was really good around the rim early. How many offensive rebounds did he have? Two. Two. He had one early. And that was a big one early on, and so it's one of those things. You look at the offensive rebounding numbers, and you say, "Man, we didn't have a lot. We only had thirteen as a team. Well, we didn't miss a lot. Yeah. There weren't <laughs> a lot of opportunities <laughs> for offensive rebounds in the ball game. So, just in the analytics, though, efficiency rating, Cam Matthews, then Josh Hubbard. So both those guys playing really well yesterday. We didn't take as many threes off the dribble yesterday. A lot of kick-out threes. And we did. Who do you think, by the way, I've got to ask you one quick question. Who do you, because I'm looking at these analytics, who do you think was our highest-rated defender yesterday? Wait, you didn't see, so that's not a fair that's question. What I, well, so, I was about to say that. I mean, I'm, I'm watching through the eyes of Neil. All right, so our two highest-rated defenders, number one, Josh Hubbard. Wow. Josh Hubbard had the highest defensive rating on the team yesterday. And second, D.J. Jeffries. And that's the thing we talk about with D.J. Obviously, look, he had 11 points, four rebounds, seven assists yesterday. But D.J., look, we're not breaking any secrets when we say he hadn't quite been what you wanted him to be. But the thing he does, he continues to defend. And I think the thing for Hubbard is if you get a guy who can score like he is and you get the effort on the defensive end, feel pretty good. Well, and and D.J., in today's game of basketball, when you got a guy that, that has that much length that defends with effort, then you got something. I mean, he is – you rarely see somebody of that size defending the way that D.J. is defending. And, yeah, I know you look at a box score and he's not scoring the points that you like to see. He's not shooting a three-pointer the way that he would like to shoot it. But, hey, continuing to defend when you've got a Cam Matthews and a D.J. Jeffries, that's a, that's a big factor for you. So what, in your mind, goes into – got to address this Southern game. Why we lose that ball game? Well, I thought, in just listening to, to Richard Williams, and I'm letting him cloud my judgment on this because he knows a lot more about it than I do, is we try to drive against their 2-3 zone a good bit, and we're a little bit selfish. We were trying to take some shots out of the dribble drive instead of the kick out and getting open shots. We missed some shots. But I thought we went to the Stansbury stall a little bit early. You know, we had the lead. We led by like 13 points, five minutes to go. We took the air out of the ball, put some of that uh, water in the basketballs that our punters were using in the, in the footballs this past year. And uh, our offense just went completely stagnant. And then we had some live ball turnovers. I thought it was just one of those games where, you know, basketball is a crazy sport, man, where – you know, Tulane's going to have some good wins this year, and people are going to look back and say, how did Mississippi State beat this bunch by 30 or over 30 and score 62 and a half? You know, basketball is just – it's a weird sport. And uh, Southern had a guy that got hot. What was that guy's name? He played at East Central. Was it the Joseph? college with you in mind. With you in mind. Tyrion Joseph, he had 27 points. And here was the thing about Joseph coming into that game. I think I looked it up. He had missed something like – 21 or 22 straight three-pointers. He goes for 27 points, goes three of 10 from three against us. Mm. They call him Scooter. 
And every time he'd make a bucket down at East Central, Joe Clay, the PA guy down there, Maurice's son, you know, Maurice yeah. is the one that got me in the radio. Uh, Joe would say, Scooter the Shooter. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was <laughs> he, he was, was he was it. shooting it the other day, wasn't he? Oh, well, he sure was. Yeah, I but can't, that's one you're going to uh, – 25 you, years from now, we're going to be scratching our heads on that one, saying just what happened. And I was trying to think about this the other day. That was as bad of a loss as we've had in a long time. Oh, I think you probably have to go back 70s. I don't know that there is one. I mean, just to be right. honest about it, in terms of the type of team you have, but, you know, it's there. And so the question is, what do you do about it? Obviously, whether that was the impetus or not, I'm not sure. But we were a different team coming out yesterday. I think as we go forward, it would be – I expect we're going to see the rotation short in a little bit. And it'll be one of those things to watch for. Do you get some attrition? Do you get yeah. some guys? Look, we saw a guy leave this team right around this time last year in uh, Horton. I forgot about that. Yeah, so Horton left. And, you know, I'm not wishing anybody gone. Don't get me confused here. But who knows? I think uh, that's going to be one of the challenges for Chris Jans is just managing the roster at this point. Sports is a different story now, man and managing the roster in all the sports, especially when somebody has playing time cut, is a big difference. Hey, uh, I came over this morning talking about driving over from Birmingham. I drove right by the Trax Plus facility in Bessemer, Alabama. Trax Plus, you go to TraxPlus.com. And I talked to my brother-in-law yesterday. We are talking about some of the property I've got. And we uh, did some mulching, cut some paths on about three miles worth of trails down in our, our hardwoods. And so – they got uh, got a guy came in with a mini excavator, and uh, I also had a guy that came in with a skid steer, one of those things that you can drive, and had a mulching head on it, and we cut some trails and had a big tracks plus sign on the side of that uh, skid steer, and so they got it at tracks plus. This guy does a great job. It wasn't, it wasn't from tracks plus. Tracks plus people didn't come and do it, but uh, it was a guy that bought all his equipment from. Our good friends at Tracks Plus. So go to tracksplus.com and you can see the new or used equipment that they have. Heavy machinery, of course, one of the largest distributors of used equipment in the Deep South, whether it be for the Forester or for the Dirt Contractor. Our good friends at Tracks Plus. All right, you start talking about attrition. You talk about roster management. Charlie, it's football recruiting season. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't get into football recruiting a whole lot on the show right here just because simply I can't. But there have been some guys that have hit the portal. I was looking in the SEC, and this is not to make you feel any better whatsoever. If everybody's jumping off a bridge, is it good for you to do it? But we have no nowhere near the most people that have left the team. I think South Carolina's had 18 hit the transfer portal since the end of the season. Alabama's the only team that has less than five, and, of course, they're still playing. They'll have some that will go in the next couple of weeks. And so, what do we have, 14 right now that have hit the transfer portal? Yeah, and, but that's kind of – I know, it's not a good – that's not a good number. I mean, as far as – well, no, I mean, it's, it's not a good barometer to, either. Well, that's the one thing that's – people get hung up on numbers of players that have gone into the portal. I think what you really have to look at are impact players in the portal, and there's a bunch of those across the country. We'll talk about some of those. But I think one of the things that I've said this before, and I believe it now more than ever, you have to get attached to the name on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back because 
there is just going to be player movement. And it's not always the player's decision. Sometimes the players are just kind of, particularly when you see a, a new head coach, you see a transition, there's going to be some guys, and sometimes guys who are quite talented, who you just have to reset a locker room. You just have to readjust. You just have to turn some things over and clear the way for some development and that type thing. So I wouldn't jump to too many conclusions. I also wouldn't always jump to the conclusion that money is what leads to people getting in the transfer portal. Sometimes it's attention. But let's think about this. You've got Walter Nolan, defensive tackle from Texas A&M, who is going in the transfer portal. He had four sacks this year, had eight and a half tackles for loss. You think that's about money? You think A&M's losing somebody because they won't pay them enough? I wouldn't think so. Did you see the guy this past week that was talking about how, you know, he was a part of that big recruiting class from a few years ago, the transfer portal guys, and then the signing classes. What did they say? They had like $30 million in NIL. Yeah. That was the report. And that guy was like, man, I never got paid anything. Now, I will say this. I don't know what's true and what's not true, but I have a hard time believing that was true. Nobody's telling the truth anymore about anything. Well, in in any walk of life, any facet of life. (laughs) But I will say this. There are a lot of players who went to Texas A&M based on promises who are now other places. And a lot of them have a very similar story. And they didn't feel... Like the representations match the outcome. Uh, But look at so Trevor Etienne, the running back at Florida, in the portal. Um, So there's there's a lot of big names out here. Here's the other thing to know, though, when you start thinking about portals. A couple of things. First, the last day of the football transfer portal, number one. Keep in mind, in football, there's two. But the last day is January 2nd. And so here's what can happen. Players who have gone in the portal can come out. Players who have not yet gone in still have plenty of time to do it. And players who act like they've already committed to a place still have time to make their threats and assertions and kind of taunt going in the portal and fish for crowd reaction and go back in even if you think you've got a deal done. Okay, so let me ask you this question. I think I know the answer to this. As far as when is a guy actually yours, right? If I if if we're going out there and we're looking at the transfer portal and a guy comes up and he commits, this is not a situation where you're signing an NLI, National Letter of Intent, right? And we, we talk about commitments and are they binding or whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong, is they are actually – Legally, your student athlete, when they first step into a class, is that correct? That's right. Okay, so if we're out in the market right now for a quarterback, and everybody knows that we have been out in the market for some quarterback, quarterbacks, possible. Plural. Plural. So if someone commits as a quarterback, I would assume that the university this year has a short term which would begin – December 14, 15, somewhere in there. Am I close to being right on this? And if you jump into that, if you walk into class that first day, or if you log in to that class, if it's online that first day, 
that's legally binding. That guy's yours. Is that correct? Yeah, but what's going to happen is most people are going to wait and see how the whole thing plays out. So even among people who've said, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, there'll be some reshuffling. Um, and I think if you look at our roster right now, we need a lot. We need a lot of different things. And so I think part of what you do, I think sometimes it's dangerous to sit around letting perfect be the enemy of good. Sometimes you got to go get good and then hope to get perfect later, Only maybe even on top of good, right? So there's a lot of things, a lot that goes into it, a lot that is in play. You know, here's the other thing about football too. You know, you have a second transfer portal after the spring. So in football this year, I think it's April 16th, April 16th through the 30th, where players can still go in the portal. But they can't transfer between in the league, right? That's right. So so I say that to say this. I think you'll see, by the way, that January 2 date is the date to go in, not the day to come out. So you've got now, between now and January 2nd, for a player to go in. You have between, and there's going to be a lot more players go in. I think a lot of people kind of look at it and think, hey, this transfer class is on the move. There are roughly a gazillion people in the portal and another gazillion to come. There will be more to come in the spring. And with graduates, none of these deadlines really matter anyway. That's one of the things they've got to fix. Graduates can transfer very, very late in the process. I mean, heck, we saw guys on the move who started practice this year with teams and then transferred. Yeah, like you said, the transfers or the graduate transfers have pretty much a lot of I – mean, they got a lot of leeway. And that's one of the things I think you'll see change. Okay, so speaking of changes, and everybody's out there saying, man, hey, you know, like this, don't like this. They got to get some regulation. And, of course, that's what's been talked about at the NCAA level. It's what's been talked about at the congressional level. Earlier this week, Charlie Baker came out, the head of the NCAA and said by the end of, I guess, within the next year, they're wanting to have some kind of legislation passed through the NCAA. Do you think that is just to urge Congress along to try to set the laws, to change the laws? Because at the end of the day, the NCAA can mandate anything, but if it doesn't hold up in court, they're really not going to do a whole lot. Am I right? You're right, and you're seeing right now basically every day there's a new lawsuit against the NCAA. It is just a steady march. Even in this past week, we saw lawsuits from state attorney generals. I think seven states sued the NCAA on the way they manage transfers. We have seen more student athletes file lawsuits objecting to any restrictions on their income, objecting to any amount that schools can give them. And what it is going to take is a new model. It is going to take everybody being willing to say, the old way isn't going to happen anymore. It's gone. It is gone forever. And so the question then becomes, how do you do something different? Well, there's some models there. Uh, the NFL has a model. The other side, they collectively bargain with them, and they reach an agreement. Now, to reach that agreement, there's going to be some things along the way that people aren't going to like, probably both sides. But think about this. If I were a players' union representative negotiating with football, might I want some guarantees about what's going to happen to me in the event that I'm injured? 
might I want some obligation on a school not to be able to cut me for a period of time? You know, we want to hold players down and say, you can't transfer. Shouldn't that be reciprocal at some level? That, hey, you signed him. You thought you could develop him. Now can you just throw him away? And so what is the standard by which either side could pull apart? The point of it being we are never going to see a time where we say the transfer portal is over, it's done, you can't do it, and not have something that has a corresponding obligation back on the school. Well, and we could talk about the good old days and about how life has changed. Well, let's be honest. In the last 25 years, we're living in a changed time as it is. Because if you think to 25 years ago, back when we were in college, there were only like 30 televised games all year long. And now every game is televised. That's what changed the game. It's not right now. That's what changed the game. All the increased money changed things. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just, it's different. And the other thing that I think we have to get past, too, is this idea of NCAA football as we know it. Because right now what you've got is a group of teams who are their own people, make their own rules, and that's where it needs to be. I'll tell you somebody else has changed the game, Charlie. Cannon Ford. Cannon Ford. Country pleasing. Both of them. Cannon. Howard Technology Solutions. <laughs> I'm going to go Cannon Ford start with. Cannon Ford, the difference in them and a lot of people in the car industry. And this is the reason Chris Keene has been so successful is because he's a good, trustworthy guy in the car business. He keeps his commitments. He keeps his commitments. And he is committed to great service, whether you're in the service center if you need a spray and bed liner. But he can transfer you a new car. He can transfer you a new car or a used car, Charlie. You don't have to have a new car. You get a used car. They got a, a plethora of different new or used cars. So if I'm looking for a truck in the portal, Chris King can help me. He can help you. Someone may have driven the King Ranch black Ford F-150, and they may not have uh, performed to the standards with that vehicle and they got ready to turn it in and it may fit your standards or the body shop, whatever you need. They're open on Saturdays now between eight and 12. And that's our good friends at Cannon Ford of Starville. You do mention country pleasing sausage. I did have the country pleasing this morning. And that's one of the great things about how the world has morphed. Now it is a different world because used to, if you went into the state of Alabama, you had about one or two different kinds of sausages that you could eat for breakfast. And now Country Pleasing has moved more into Alabama, toward the East Coast. You can get it in Georgia, South Carolina, up all the way into Ohio. CountryPleasing.com. You can see all the different kinds of varieties of sausage that they make now. Go to CountryPleasing.com. It's how I start my day, just about every day. Plenty of protein, Charlie. Not a whole lot of carbs in the Country Pleasing. Okay, low-carb guy. I'm a low-carb guy right now, and you can tell the difference right now. I'm not a no-carb guy. I eat good fiber carbs, green beans. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, hey, one quick note. You know, baseball is going to be here before we know it. I was thinking about that uh, yesterday, to be honest with you. I was trying to map out the next three months, and the baseball schedule has now come out. It's online. And uh, in the first four weekends, we play at home. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of baseball in Starville this year. We've got a lot of home games, and that means you get a lot of Barton Charlie. Hey, I'll just tell you, 
no matter how much that might strike fear into someone's heart. I will tell you this. I do think this team is going to be better. I think they're they're going to be some – man, these new guys are just different, man. They are. And, oh, by the way, you talk about you get me and Charlie on the TV, on the radio, you see where they're putting Jim in the ring of honor? I did see that. That's awesome. And that is absolutely appropriate. Bobby Reed. Bobby that is absolutely appropriate. Well appropriate. And so um, – Bobby Reed's such a good guy, too. He is. I mean, that year he had – in 1989 here at home. Well, I mean, his whole career. Never lost a game here. You want to talk, start talking about a Bulldog as your Friday night starter or game one starter? Bobby Reed was that guy. And, of course, you know, Jim. I mean, I would love to – you know, you start thinking back to growing up as a kid and how you were introduced to Mississippi State baseball. Of course, you were right here of a lot of your childhood. So going out to the ballpark was pretty easy. But for so many people – Growing up, listening to Mississippi State baseball and becoming acclimated to Mississippi State baseball. Oh, look, man, that was me. Yeah, Jim. Jim kind of you know the, the way he built the network around the state. I mean, he is he is a vital part of how this program, the popularity was built in the 1980s and in the 1990s. So I lived in Louisville till I was 12. So when you think of those late 1970s teams, the Bruce Castorias, and then you roll forward, you know, Winkler and Gage and Klipstein and all those guys, I knew about those guys from laying on my bed. Listen to Jim Ellis. Listen to Jim Ellis. Yeah, that's awesome. Going in the ring of honor. A lot more 3 o'clock games back then, too. Yeah, played a lot of Tuesday and Wednesday games at 3 o'clock. Soon, I kind of miss that a little bit. As soon as you got out of school, I do, too. 6.30 game on a Tuesday night when you're playing Southern University or Arkansas Hey, don't overlook State. Southern anymore. Well, in anything. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Notice has been served. <laughs> um, no, um, it's I'm odd about this because I would like to see more midweek games in the afternoon. I would like to see more weekend games at night. I love a good 6 o'clock Saturday night game. I do too. It's just different. I mean, and we said this when we were winning. This place is different when it when it's at night. Oh my goodness, it's so much better. Yeah, but a good schedule this year, and you know the challenge is you can be a better team, and you still got to have something to show for it. You know, I was talking to Lane Burroughs about this, and usually everything I talk with Lane about is very off record, but uh, Lane's you know. No secret, good friend, was here as an assistant coach, proud of Collinsville, Mississippi. And his Louisiana Tech team played our team back in the fall. And so I was asking him, I said, okay, what do you think about Mississippi State? He said, let me tell you this. He said, the arms are there. The arms are legit. And he said, hey, you know, we've gotten we've gotten notice talking about how the strike zone is going to be a little bit bigger this year. And so it's it's going to help. I think I think looking back the last two years, you look at Mississippi State, you look at Ole Miss last year. I think the power arms were hurt a lot by the Titan strike zone. I think being unwilling to compete within the strike zone hurt them too. You get what I'm saying? I do. I, I mean, do. There, I think we got a mentality. After you lost to Bednar, after you lost to Landon Sims, I think we had some guys get hit a little bit, and they lost confidence in their ability to to throw a 
fastball past somebody in the strike zone, and they wanted to nibble and work off the plate. And if I see another three-two breaking ball is down, oh my god, I'm going to lose my mind. Anyway, hey Charlie, you mentioned Howard Technology Solutions a moment ago. Spent some time with some of the Howard guys this past week. Go to howardcomputers.com and see how they can help you in your audio visual. Whether you need new monitors, whether you need new computers, laptops, desktops, if it's in the technology sector, they've either got it or they can find it. And so go to our, our good friends at HowardComputers.com, go to their website, and see how they can help your business at Howard Technology Solutions. All right, quick show today. Apologize for being a little bit, uh, a little bit lethargic, Charlie. Usually I get my good 10 hours of sleep. Didn't have it last night. I am not a 10-hour sleep guy. More like an 11 or a 12. No, you know what I am? I am like a 3, 3, 3, 2, 4, 15. <laughs> you know what I did realize this morning? I'm done with our thing, the podcast. Okay. So I'm actually looking for something good now. I just finished season three of Gone South. Was that about the uh, serial killing in Laredo? Yeah, I don't recommend. Really? Yeah, just, I listened to the first one. I couldn't get into it. I, I just, I actually stuck with it. I hung in there, listened to the whole thing. But when it was over, I didn't feel like I learned anything. I, I didn't learn anything I couldn't have learned just from yeah. reading a couple of news stories. All right. so I, I thought the first two seasons were way more intriguing. I think your job over the next two days, along with Bulldog Initiative, along with broadcasting, we've got to broadcast tomorrow night. We are broadcasting tomorrow night. Yeah, so the backstory on that, you and I showed up for a men's game about a week ago, only to be told, oh, sorry, we forgot to tell you. On my birthday, man. Yeah. Yeah. Canceled a few trips, but that's okay. That's all right. It happens. So we will be broadcast. So on top of doing Bulldog Initiative work, and top on top of doing broadcasting work, and on top of doing your day job, your law work, I need you to be thinking of a new good podcast for me. Sometime in the next 48 hours. I'm going to be working on that. Okay. that's something. That you really care about? That I've got to get done. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks to our good friends. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com to see how they can help you in the banking world. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.